and welcome back to Dose Makes the Poison, the ToxCast. My name is Kevin, your friendly neighborhood forensic toxicologist, and I've got a good episode in store for you today. Uh, let me take that back. Um, we never have a bad episode at the ToxCast, at least I believe. But this is a pretty cool one, at least I think it is. Um, but let's let's talk. First things first, I know it's been a long, long time since the last episode. And, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, life kind of got busy, and before I knew it, it's now June. It's summertime. So, anyways, it's kind of an update here. Uh, remember all the way back to episode 15. That was last year, when we talked about the racehorse Medina Spirit and how it tested positive for beta-methasone. Well, in the months since I've been gone off this podcast, the penalty was made official. Medina Spirit, who actually did pass away not too long ago, the horse did die, but Medina Spirit had been stripped of its Kentucky Derby win from last year, from 2021, and Mandaloon was officially declared the winner. Um, Medina Spirit, so then, becomes the second horse in the 147-year history of the Kentucky Derby to be disqualified for doping. Mandaloon's owner got a $1.8 million winner's purse. And then Bob Baffert, trainer, owner, he was fined $7,500, which is, in my opinion, a minuscule amount for a millionaire. Uh, And he is now known as a repeat violator in horse race doping. Secondly, my poison garden is growing well so far. Like I said, it's summer. It's June. Things have sprouted, or at least most things have sprouted. Um, I've got a lot of ricin plant sprouts. They're actually looking really, really great, which I'm very happy with. Uh, The delphinium plants look awesome as well. The foxgloves, they look beautiful. Digitalis plants, uh, they look great. Uh, Hopefully I can post pictures on social media soon of what I've got so far. Uh, Everything looks pretty good. Uh, But this year I also added aconite, datura, atropa belladonna, Brugmansia and wisteria to my to my garden, and the wisteria has sprouted, and I'm already training it to grow and spiral up a pole, so that's good there. And I also happy to announce that I finally finally have some datura sprouts. Uh, they're pretty tiny, but they at least they've sprouted so far, so that makes me really really happy. So there's hope there. I haven't gotten any sprouts for Belladonna or Aconite or Brugsmansia uh, yet, but I'll keep watch. I'll let you know when they do sprout or if they do sprout. I'm hoping they do sprout. Uh, And uh, they can take a long, long time. So just stay tuned. You'll hear from me if I get any positive progress with those plants. So with that out of the way... I think it's time to get to the main content of episode 22 of the ToxCast. Psychedelics have been in the news a lot over the last few years. Things like LSD, psilocybin mushrooms, and ayahuasca or dimethyltryptamine or DMT. Those things have been in the news a lot lately. And I'm going to focus on the last one today, ayahuasca and DMT or dimethyltryptamine. Ayahuasca is a word from the Quechua language, which means vine of the souls. More commonly, ayahuasca is used in reference to a 
traditional brew that's made from various Central and South American plants, which include the perennial shrubs Psychotria viridis, Mimosa hastalis, uh, and Pegnum harmal, uh, the perennial tree Acacia confucia, and or Banisteropsis capai vine. Sorry if I didn't pronounce all those correctly. Uh, this uh, this brew, this ayahuasca brew, is used in various spiritual ceremonies and most often in the ancient healing traditions of shamanism. So why are these specific plants used? Let's take a brief look at the chemistry and pharmacology of these plants. So Psychotria viridis and the root bark of Mimosa hostilis, they contain an alkaloid called nn dimethyltryptamine, otherwise known from here as DMT. Uh, from a chemical structure standpoint or perspective, DMT is very similar to the neurotransmitter in your body, 5-hydroxytryptamine, also known as serotonin. DMT is considered a psychedelic tryptamine, and its mechanism of action is thought to be via partial 5-HT2A receptor agonism, so it binds to those serotonin receptors, specifically 5-HT2A, and it produces an effect. Um, so it's an agonist at those receptors. A lot of its pharmacology is still unknown to this day. In the human body, DMT is readily degraded in the stomach and small intestine by the enzyme monoamine oxidase A, or MAOA. Uh, for this reason, DMT's effects are highly dependent on dose and route of administration. So, use of the substance can range from mild psychedelic experiences to very, very powerful hallucinations. And it's very, very important to note that DMT is also a trace endogenous compound in the body. So you can find it as an endogenous, naturally occurring compound in the human body. So since monoamine oxidase A degrades DMT in the stomach and small intestine, to, to counteract this degradation of DMT uh, by that enzyme, you have to add something else to this brew. So this is where... Um, uh, the other plants come in. Peganum, harmal, um, uh, acacia, confucia, and banisteropsis capi vine, where those plants enter the picture. Where That's where these come in. They contain various substances called harmala alkaloids, with the primary ones being in the plant harmine, harmaline, and tetrahydroharmine. So harmine and harmaline act as selective reversible inhibitors of monoamine oxidase A. So they are, again, monoamine oxidase inhibitors, otherwise known as MAOIs, which I'm sure you've heard of if you've, if you've paid attention to certain medicines and, and pharmaceuticals. Uh, these inhibitors basically bind reversibly to MAOA, so the enzyme. They inhibit the degradation of neurotransmitters and other substances. Uh, which then overall has the has the overall effect of potentiating and prolonging the activity of that substance. So, in other words, substances are able to enter the blood without being rapidly metabolized in the stomach or the small intestine. So, this is how you get DMT into your bloodstream. 
and, and so it's not degraded in the stomach. The third compound, tetrahydroharmine, is considered a weak serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So while it has no MAOI activity, it does allow for some accumulation of serotonin in the, neuro in the neuronal uh, synaptic cleft. Uh, positive user-described de user effects of DMT include euphoria, hallucinations, perceptual distortions, uh, ego softening, sometimes you'll hear of that, or ego loss, basically the loss of all reality or what is considered truthful or apparent. Um, that's been described after the use of, of these, of these uh, this brew or DMT in general. Feelings of love and empathy and acceptance have also been documented. Many users have described the drug's effects as profoundly life-changing and spiritual. Some have reported understanding his or her ultimate purpose on Earth or the true nature of the universe. Uh, others have used the term spiritual awakening to describe the drug's effects. Adverse effects of DMT include things like hypertension or high blood pressure, tachycardia or fast heart rate, nausea, diarrhea, body aches, fear and paranoia. A lot of times that come with those hallucinations. Uh, vomiting is also a very significant adverse effect. But if you talk to people that have undergone the experience of using ayahuasca or DMT, um, the vomiting and the diarrhea are a lot of times considered to be an essential part of that spiritual experience or that spiritual event as it represents the release of negative energy and negative emotions from the body. Uh, if you uh, have heard me talk about in the past, um, I'm a huge fan of PCAL and TCAL. Uh, Alexander Shulgin and Shulgin devote a whole chapter to ayahuasca and another chapter to, D to DMT in their book on tryptamines, TCAL, tryptamines I've known and loved. Um, uh, again, as with their other book, as I already mentioned, PCAL, phenethylamines I have known and loved, I highly recommend the TCAL, tryptamines I've known and loved, as a source of information on the psychedelic and hallucinogenic tryptamines. Uh, and if you really want to go into it, some user reports from TCAL regarding the effects of, of DMT. The, the, it's documented in those books, some user effects. So let's let's just go through this rather briefly because some of these are pretty cool to me. Um, this user documented 20 milligrams intramuscularly they took DMT. And this person said, I began to see patterns on the wall that were continuously moving. They were transparent and they were not colored. After a short period, these patterns became the heads of animals, a fox, a snake, a dragon. And then kaleidoscopic images appeared into me in my inner eye. Fantastically beautiful and colored. Hey, sounds like a pretty neat experience. 50 milligrams intramuscularly. This person's like, I feel strange. Everything is blurry. I want my mother. I am afraid of fainting. I can't breathe. So now we're starting to see these adverse effects. Someone's getting a little freaked out there. They want their mother. They can't breathe. Uh, 60 milligrams intramuscularly. This person's, I don't like this feeling. I am not myself. 
I saw such strange dreams a while ago. Strange creatures, dwarfs or something. They were black and moved about. Now I feel as if I'm not alive. My left hand is numb, as if my heart would not beat, as if I had no body, no nothing. All I feel are my left hand and stomach. I don't like to be without thoughts. So now we're getting into a little bit more terrifying territory here. Someone is really getting scared of these, these adverse effects. Someone else reports 60 milligrams of dimethyltryptamine uh, smoked. They smoked 60 milligrams of DMT. This person reports slightly threatening patterns, no insight, slight sense of cruelty and sharpness between us, but enjoying. His face is before with MDA. Demonic, but pleasantly so. He said he saw my face as a mask. He asked me to let him see my teeth. I laughed, aware that the laughter was slightly not funny. Heavy, massive intoxication. Time extension extraordinary. What seemed like two hours was 30 minutes. That's pretty pretty neat experience but it sounds pretty scary to me now we go from 60 milligrams smoked to 100 milligrams of dmt smoked this person reports as i exhaled i became terribly afraid my heart very rapid and strong palms sweating a terrible sense of dread and doom filled me i knew what was happening i knew i couldn't stop it but it was so devastating I was being destroyed. All that was familiar, all reference points, all identity, all viciously shattered in a few seconds. I couldn't even mourn the loss. There was no one left to do the mourning. Up, up, out, out, eyes closed. I am at the speed of light, expanding, 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 faster, and faster until I have become so large that I no longer exist. My speed is so great that everything has come to a stop. Here, I gaze upon the universe. That is really, really some really wicked experiences from DMT. Very, very descriptive. Um, in the body, from a pharmacokinetics perspective... DMT is rapidly metabolized, as we had talked about, and it has a blood half-life of approximately somewhere in the range of 0.5 to 1.5 hours. So we're saying the amount of time that it takes for DMT to be cut in half in the body is, I mean, on average about one hour, so but a range of about a half hour to 1.5 hours. The main metabolite of DMT is something called 3-indole-acetic acid, and other pathways of metabolism of DMT include N-oxidation, 6-hydroxylation, and cyclization. While ayahuasca use and intoxication is reported in the media every so often, and it's talked about non-stop by folks like Joe Rogan on his podcast over the last freaking decade, there have been only sparse reports in scientific literature regarding its use and effects. So if we let's look let's look at the scientific literature right now uh, because you'll see there I mean there are cases of DMT exposure 
uh, reported in clinical toxicology and maybe even possibly postmortem toxicology, but there isn't really a lot out there. So two reports from the annual meeting of the North American Congress of Clinical Toxicology, or NACCT, in 2014 described ayahuasca toxicity. So Phil et al. reported the case of a 23-year-old woman who presented to the hospital for shaking that had begun three hours prior. And it had become three hours after being given an, an herbal remedy for an illness, which turned out to be two ounces of ayahuasca. Uh, she presented in status epilepticus. She also had a significant depressed mental status. Her pupils were minimally reactive. She was hyperreflexic. Labs were significant for leukocytosis. She had bar uh, bicarbonate level equal to 9 milliequivalents per liter and an anion gap of 22. She was diagnosed with serotonin toxicity, treated with IV fluids and benzodiazepines, and her symptoms resolved 36 hours later. Volman et al. from that same 2014 um, reports, uh, they reported the case of a 25-year-old man who presented to the hospital under a mental health arrest for acting strangely. He reportedly ingested ayahuasca that night, became very agitated, he was hallucinating, and this is a quote, he was, quote, fighting with a cat in his front yard, end quote. He had broken windows and he was bleeding from his injuries from this fight with this cat. Police were called. He was tasered. Uh, labs actually showed leukocytosis, mild rhabdomyolysis. Uh, DMT was present in his urine at greater than 2,000 nanograms per milliliter. Um, so they did do some testing in this case. Uh, he was given IV fluids and his symptoms dissipated six to seven hours later. He was discharged from the hospital three days later. In 2015, in the Clinical Neuropharmacology Journal, Patterson et al. reported the case of a 42-year-old male who was brought to the hospital by law enforcement. He was found exhibiting disinhibited behavior, disorganized thought process, delusions of reference. Uh, testing in the hospital revealed elevated creatinine kinase, which is indicative of rhabdomyolysis. Uh, over the course of three weeks, the male was treated with quetiapine, valproic acid, gabapentin, hydroxazine uh, for those psychoses, uh, impulsivity, anxiety, sleep disturbances. Uh, the patient admitted to recent repeated use of DMT and cannabis. In Clinical Toxicology Journal in 2018, De et al. reported the case of a 37-year-old woman who was admitted to the hospital with visual hallucinations, agitation, tremors of her extremities, um, seizure, nausea, vomiting, sweating, skin lesions on her legs. Uh, she had actually been seeking an alternative medical treatment for depression at a spiritual center where she drank 100 milliliters of a brown-colored tea and received five subcutaneous applications of a secretion on a stick, and I quote, a frog vaccine. 
The patient became asymptomatic after about six hours, discharged after about 24 hours. The tea was said to be ayahuasca, and the frog vaccine was said to be a combo or cambo, a dermis secretion from a very specific frog. We're not really discussing that here, but the uh, frog secretion contains some bioactive peptides, which have action on the gastrointestinal system, and they also have vasodilating properties. Uh, the patient's blood serum in this case was found to have 3.2 nanograms per milliliter of dimethyltryptamine, or DMT, 12.3 nanograms per milliliter of harmine, 0.3 nanograms per milliliter of harmaline, and 182 nanograms per mil of tetrahydroharmine. So they did do analytical testing in this case. In 2019, Lou et al. reported in the Clinical Toxicology Journal two cases of DMT or ayahuasca intoxication. In the first case, a 22-year-old man presented to the hospital when he was detained by police for yelling in front of his dormitory. He was very agitated. He was confused. His speech was incomprehensible when he was yelling and talking. His symptoms cleared over the next eight hours in the hospital and after which he had claimed he drank some herbal stew, which he had made using an internet recipe. Folks at home, just as a side note, herbal stews, internet recipes, please. Yeah, that's all I got to say. Uh, this internet recipe included acacia tree bark and Syrian rue seeds. So um, uh, things that contain DMT and some harmaline or toxicology completed on his hospital admission blood sample. It was positive for DMT at 25 nanograms per milliliter and harmaline at 3.3 nanograms per milliliter. His urine was positive for DMT at 1,206 nanograms per milliliter and harmaline at 1,564 nanograms per milliliter. So again, that acacia tree bark, that Syrian rue seeds, did contain DMT and harmaline. In case two, the man's 24-year-old roommate also presented to the same hospital. He was observed um, with impulsive mood and violent behaviors after he drank the same stew. Uh, in the hospital, he was watched, observed for four hours, discharged after his symptoms dissipated. Uh, his blood serum was negative for both DMT and harmaline, but his urine was positive for DMT and harmaline. So it had the DMT and harmaline had already been out of his blood, and it's only detectable in his urine at that point. In 2006, uh, the Journal of Analytical Toxicology, uh, Sklaroff et al. reported a case of a 25-year-old male who was found dead the morning after consuming an ayahuasca preparation. So all of the previous reports um, were clinical toxicology, people presenting to the hospital with certain behaviors and being treated and then released. This is a post-mortem toxicology case. Um, this guy was found dead the morning after consuming an ayahuasca preparation. There was no anatomical cause of death determined at autopsy. Heart blood was 
subjected to toxicological testing, and it was positive for some DMT, 0.02 milligram per liter. It was also positive for tetrahydroharmine, harmaline, and harmine. But, interestingly, it was also positive for 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine. Not dimethyltryptamine, but 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine at 1.88 milligrams per liter. Um, and one thing to remember, milligrams per liter is also equal to micrograms per milliliter. So that is 1.88 micrograms per milliliter, which then if you do the conversion to nanograms per milliliter is 1,880 nanograms per milliliter. The cause and manner of death in this case was determined to be accidental hallucinogenic amine intoxication. Interestingly, this case report in the Journal of Analytical Toxicology caught the attention of some very famous people in the psychedelic world, namely people like J.C. Calloway, Charles Grobe, Dennis McKenna, David Nichols, Alexander Shulgin, Kenneth Tupper. Uh, they all got together, penned a response letter to Scleroff et al., the authors of the paper, basically surmising that it was impossible for that 5-methoxy-DMT to come from the ayahuasca plant concoction itself, as there were no plants known to contain 5-methoxy-DMT. And the ultimate part of that response, I think, was the group specifically stated that it was very, very important with how we framed the discussion around dimethyltryptamine and other known psychedelics, as they have been used for long periods of time in various cultures without large-scale harm. And that any sort of misleading report on ayahuasca could influence future legal decisions regarding the legality of dimethyltryptamine or ayahuasca in the United States. And that's a very good point because I've talked about this before, but how we talk about drugs, how we talk about substance use is very, very important because it frames how the police will talk about it. So if you have, if the scientists are talking about it in a very negative light, the police are going to get a hold of that and talk about it in a very negative light. And then if the media gets a hold of that, they talk about it in a very negative light. Um, it just increases harm in those situations. So we have to be very, very careful, or at least we should be very, very careful and about how we frame discussions around drug use or um, substance use or whether it's ayahuasca or DMT or cannabis or fentanyl or, or some of these newer other designer substances, substituted cathinones or synthetic cannabinoids or designer opioids or anything like that. We have to be very careful with how we frame discussion around them. It's we have to be responsible reporters of information. And I think that's what they were trying to impress upon the authors, being responsible. Uh, because DMT is considered a federally controlled Schedule One substance in the United States. Uh, the legality has been at conflict in a few court decisions since 2004. 
So remember that Scleroff paper came out in 2006. Um, in 2004, there was a U.S. Supreme Court uh, decision where they lifted a stay and allowed a very specific church to use ayahuasca in its service. In 2005 and 2006, uh, Supreme Cur the Supreme Court um, heard arguments and ultimately ruled that under a uh, 1993 Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RFRA, government must allow the that same church to import and consume ayahuasca for religious ceremonies. And in 2008, um, three Brazilian churches filed suit to gain legal status to import ayahuasca in their ceremonies. And the judge actually ruled in favor of those churches in 2008, and in 2009, a federal judge issued a permanent injunction which barred the government from prohibiting or penalizing the use of ayahuasca as a sacrament in these religious ceremonies in the United States. In recent years, various locations around the United States have decriminalized entheogenic plants, which including the material used to make ayahuasca. So in these locations like uh, Oakland, California, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Washington, Detroit, Michigan, they have actually decriminalized some of these plants. So I'm going to stop there. There you have it. That's a bit of information regarding ayahuasca, um, regarding dimethyltryptamine, DMT. We'll be back shortly for part two of this episode after the break. After the break, I'm going to sit down with Tristan Brown, friend, who will talk about his experiences in Peru with ayahuasca and dimethyltryptamine. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Yep. On a daily basis, I consume enough drugs to sedate Manhattan, Long Island, and Queens for a month. Okay, Mr. Jordan. I take quaaludes 10 to 15 times a day for my back pain, Adderall to stay focused, Xanax to take the edge off, pot to mellow me out, cocaine to wake me back up again, and morphine well, because it's awesome. Morning, make the uh, Tonight, I have with me one Mr. Tristan Brown. So, Tristan, I just finished talking about the chemistry and pharmacology of ayahuasca, dimethyltryptamine, or DMT, and previously I saw that you had some experience with this in Peru very, very recently, and I, I wanted to get you on the podcast to chat about, uh, to chat with you about it, because this fits really well, and I've always been really interested in this subject matter. So first, number one, welcome to the podcast, and how are you doing? Thank you. Um, I'm doing great, actually. And I, I'm always happy to share my experiences. Ever since I got back about a month ago, I've been bombarded with people's questions and things like that. And I'm more than happy to share because it was a life changing experience for me. And it's something that I just want other people to experience, too. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, I've always been fascinated by DM with DMT and, and ayahuasca and, and some of those compounds and substances. So how did you first decide to do this? I mean, um, it's not something that someone I would think would rush out to do. Um, so how did you first think about yeah. doing it? You know what? It's like one of those bucket list items that was just lingering in the back of my mind. And they say that you get a calling, right? They say that it calls you. And when you, it calls you to answer that call, like it's 
not something that you should necessarily force or, or go looking for. And so for me, um, I had been wanting to do it for some years now, maybe about a few years. And it was something that I thought I would eventually do, maybe five years from now, 10 years from now. But there was just a line of events that kind of led me to pull the trigger, so to speak. Uh, one was just me turning 40. And so I had my 40th birthday coming up and I thought like, okay, I want to go somewhere. I want to travel somewhere. Um, I want to travel alone. Where's the perfect place that I always wanted to travel that most of my friends are not going to follow me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so like, I, I thought like, okay, um, you know, that's a, that's an option. Ayahuasca has always been on my list. And then in, back in November, I was reading, uh, Will Smith's book and he talks about how he did it 14 times in oh, Peru wow. <laughs> and and you know a lot of celebrities have done ayahuasca but he's probably the biggest celebrity that's been really outspoken about it in recent months um, I mean there's a lot of people who've done it and they don't mention it and they don't talk about it but yeah he's one of the biggest that have come out and just you know on a national platform said like this is legit this is something that changed my life and um, so, yeah, the wheels started turning when I read about his experience. You know, he describes one of his, I think his first trip or something. And it's just, you know, it was just jaw dropping to, to hear how it affected him and what he saw and experienced. And, and so, yeah, that really just got the gears turning for me. Um, there's a comedian by the name of um, Neil Brennan, um, who's a, you know, he's a, he's, he's a writer and a, comedian and he works with Dave Chappelle a lot and he talks about ayahuasca a lot and it was actually Will Smith that had Neil Brennan um, or gave Neil Brennan the idea to go try ayahuasca and it changed Neil Brennan's life and I think Neil Brennan then took Chris Rock down there to do it as well oh dang um, <laughs> so I was like okay shit well I, I'm not going to be able to get in touch with Will Smith so let me contact Neil <laughs> Brennan and so I contacted Neil Brennan on a Saturday night and that guy is usually, I, I live in LA. So I, got, I usually see his name on marquees. He's always like, you know, performing on Saturday night, stand up around the country, you know, and, and I'm thinking, okay, Saturday night, Neil Brennan's not going to respond to me on a Saturday night. He's probably, you know, gigging somewhere. And um, he answered me immediately. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> on Instagram, you know, on on Instagram, I, he's so passionate about it that he answered me immediately and sent me a link, and the link led me to the place where I ended up going. And so, yeah, I was just worried about finding the right place. I didn't want to just go to any random shaman or some guy who just got a shaman's degree like online last <laughs> week or something. You know, I was like, yeah. give me a shaman that, give me a shaman that that doesn't speak English and lives in the jungle <laughs> you know, I want one that of those. knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like give me a shaman that doesn't have an iPhone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So like, um, I basically, um, you know, got led to that place. I, you know, Neil sent me the link in it and I, and I booked this place immediately, you know, had terrific reviews. So that used a lot of my, my concerns. And I just booked the ticket. Yeah, I booked the ticket. The earliest they were able to do was January. And so, yeah, I booked it and didn't look back. Awesome. Um, so when you're doing this and, and when you get there, it, it's a weird question, but how do you prepare to do this sort of thing? 
I mean, is there something that you need to go through before physically or mentally um, to go oh, yeah. through this entire process? Well, every place is going to be different. Like if you look at various uh, ayahuasca centers or treats or um, providers, um, they're going to tell you some different diet to follow, but it's all some variation of, of a similar diet, which is, um, you know, basically clean eating for at least a week before you go. I think mine told me two weeks before I went, but I didn't really start the diet until about a week before. And um, I mean, it's a, it's a diet that's like, you know, no salts, no sugars, no, you know, no processed foods, um, red meats, um, no uh, caffeine, no alcohol. I mean, they're, I mean, my place was a little stricter. I mean, they didn't want us to have sex or self-love or anything. Oh, which, wow. <laughs> <laughs> which was definitely uh, taking it to another level for me. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's now you're going, now you're just fucking going too far. But anyways, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I was like, you know what, like I can do this shit. So, you know, like, uh, you know, a week before I got really, you know, strict to the diet, but I like, yeah, I mean, I broke it a, a couple of times. It's like, you know, it's like, it's hard to live in a Western society and, and eat that way consistently, but I did the best I could. And, um, and I even talked to some people at my retreat and they were saying they didn't follow the diet at all, <laughs> but, <Ooh. laughs> but like, the, but it's like the best experience you're going to have is going to be based on how quick, how, how attuned to the diet you are. You know, it's going to be based upon how clean you are in the inside and how, mentally prepared you are too because it's like a physical and a mental preparation okay and so yeah so yeah they had us follow that diet and and um when i got there obviously the retreat that i was at for a week um for seven days you know they fed us a certain you know in in line with their diet as well and yeah so i followed that diet before during and about about two weeks after i got back too like I'm still just easing out of the diet. Like I had coffee for the first time, like two weeks ago. Um, uh, I had like, I had alcohol for the first time, like one week ago. So yeah, I'm just kind of easing back into it. Cause when you get back, it's like, you can't just dump all that shit in your system again. Or you're going to get, you're going to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you I mean, like you said, you've been, you, this was recent. This was within a, a, month, a month ago, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I got back about a month ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when you go, you prepared for this, um, when you get there, what happens? Are you in a large group of people, small group of people? Um, can you kind of talk about the setting that you do this? Yeah. Yeah. So it was very important for me that one, I went to a very highly rated place. Um, and that, you know, a place where people had good experiences, where the staff knew what they were doing, where they treated you right, where it was very, you know, just, conducive to the spiritual growth that I was seeking. So like, it was very important for me that I went to a place also that wasn't too big. Cause there's a, I think there's a facility in like Costa Rica or something where they all, they'll have like 80 people at once. And, oh. and I thought that was just like <laughs> way too much. Um, my group was um, 13 of us and we're from all around the world. The furthest guy was from London and, and it was about, yeah, 13 of us just from all over the U S London and, uh, might have even been Canada as well, but, uh, but yeah, we were off from just different spots of the U S and, and one guy from Europe and 13 was just a perfect number. It was just a number that was, you know, it was, it was a big enough group to where you didn't feel 
alone, but it also wasn't too big to where you felt like isolated or anything like that. Like we all, you know, had lunch together. We, um, dinner together, breakfast together. We all like, you know, knew each other on a first name basis. We all knew each other's backstories. It was like such a good group. And we still all talk to this very day. Like we all communicate like almost on a, a daily basis. So I'm going to actually meet with two of the other um, retreat mates um, next week. Actually, no, tomorrow I'm actually going to meet with oh, them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because there's two people that live in L.A., so I'm going to meet up with them tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's like a, the place where I went was just a very chill, like very zen um clean um experience like everyone was just nice uh it, it attracts like people that really want to uh people that really want some kind of change positive change in their life so like you mm -hmm. get a good group of people it's not like you're gonna be dealing with a bunch of a-holes or anything you know it's like <laughs> people that that actually want to do something positive or you know or change for the better you know so so yeah like the setting itself was just uh, yeah very calm friendly um just very welcoming environment and that's that's what's good because i mean from what everything i've heard and what i know about psychedelics um yeah. and those sort of substances and, and plants and those materials um the setting is very very important the setting is very important yeah. yes and um when you're in that small sort of group i mean it's more intimate it's i mean it's it's a calmer setting I, so yeah. I could see that that giving a completely different um, outcome than something if you were in a like you said an 80 person group, that could be a little bit more chaotic and I think the the outcomes of that would probably be a little bit different. Um, well, yeah. like I, I mean, all the facilitators and staff that work there I mean we're just amazing people as well like all the people that work there were people that had came there as visitors like me, and just ended up of coming back or staying like that's like how like everybody there was like someone who like everyone there was just some like like almost was had experiences similar to my my own in the past so like they knew exactly what you're going through they knew what you're feeling they knew how to how to help you if you're ever going through anything tough um you mentioned like how how problematic the 80 person experience could be like I can imagine that if you're having a bad trip, for instance, you know, let's just say you're going through hell or some shit, like how quickly are they going to be able to attend to you if you're, if it's 80 people, you know, how exactly, how much, how much time are they going to be able to give to you if that's going on, you know, cause in our group, you know, if anyone was having a bad experience, there was like two facilitators at their side, you know, helping them through it. That's awesome. Um, so you had you had any previous experience with DMT, ayahuasca, any other psychedelics before doing this? Not DMT or um, ayahuasca, but the closest I had ever experienced was just mushrooms um, when I was in Indonesia a few years ago. And that was just more of a recreational, like a fun experience is very positive. And I was in a good group and good environment as well. I didn't have any like profound revelations from that experience, but it was my first experience, first, first and only experience with psychedelics prior to that. So you're there, you're in your group, you get started with this whole experience. Um, and I, I had just talked about previous to this, um, ayahuasca, I mean, there are some pretty significant effects, I mean, that you, you get from 
uh, consuming some of this stuff. So, I mean, like the severe mm -hmm. nausea and diarrhea and vomiting, which is part of the, the procedure, part of the process. Yeah. Um, can, can you walk the listeners through this experience? Um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure you've got a lot of information you can tell people. Um, okay, so it's funny because one question that a lot of people are concerned about, or you know, a lot of people that I knew were concerned about was, oh, like, did you throw up or did it make you like shit yourself? And like, like they're so worried about like, like the side effects. And I'm like, dude, like those side effects is like the least of your worries. Like when you're feeling this stuff in your system, it makes you feel nauseous. Like it makes you feel sick and, and vomiting is such a relief. Like if you do vomit, like it feels so fucking good. <laughs> so like, okay. it's, it's not like vomiting is something to be afraid of. Now, I didn't want to shit myself, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I was, um, I was very lucky that the way everyone's body responds differently. And that's kind of goes back to what I was telling you about, um, you know, how you stick, stick to the diet as well. Because I think the cleaner that you are inside, like the better it's going to work for you and the easier it's going to be. So since I was kind of sticking to the diet, like my body responded very well to, to the medicine. Like I, you can either, okay, so there's different ways to purge. You can either vomit, which is the most common. There's also diarrhea, which some people had. Um, there's um, sweating, yawning, um, tears. That's like different ways that you can purge any kind of like expelling of energy type thing. And right. I got so fucked. I got really lucky because the first night, um, I didn't vomit at all or, or anything. The only thing I did was just sweat. <laughs> and and then the second the second night I did vomit one time and it felt really, really good. And the and I only just um yawned that night. Like just vomited one time and then just kept yawning. And also tears just kept coming out of my eyes the second night too. And then the third night, it was just only tears, just tears coming out. That was it. And it was like really easy on me like it did like the purging process was super easy on me um but then like there's other people in the group like where it's not so kind to where it's like coming out both ends and shit you know oh, it's no. like, <laughs> like it just it just really just depends on who you are how your body responds to it um i mean the preparation also has a little bit to do with it as well so when when you're consuming ayahuasca uh can yeah. you can like, what are you consuming? I know we've, again, I've talked about this previously, but like the brew that's made, the 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 liquid that's made, yeah. how, I mean, how yeah. it's made, but mm -hmm. um, can you explain what you're actually consuming and what it looks like, what it tastes like? Okay, so like, um, there's, it's two different concoctions. Like, it's basically um, two ingredients that they find in the Amazon. So there's one plant that basically um, emits the DNT. Mm -hmm. And then there's another plant, which I believe is the ayahuasca, which blocks your, your body's ability. Oh, I'm sorry, your body not normally has an ability to block DNT. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that second plant, the ayahuasca has a way of allowing that to pass through into your, into your bloodstream. So like the combination of these two plants emits DMT and also the ingredient needed to allow your body to absorb it too. So how the 
fuck they ever found two plants <laughs> in the middle of the Amazon like to that were able to do this like that perfect combination like that is beyond me but yeah there's just two random ass plants that they put together and they brew it over over a long period of time I don't know if it's hours or days but they basically delicately put these two ingredients together one layer at a time and um, boil it and, and mix it and it turns into this very dark brown um, substance it it tastes it like doesn't taste good at all like it, <laughs> I, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out like what it reminded me of but it like it kind of reminds me of like like a cough medicine like a robitussin or some shit oh okay you know, like but like but like worse than that <laughs> like um it's it's not like the most disgusting thing that i've ever done but it's not the it's definitely not it doesn't taste good at all um and you take it as a shot so it's one cup um usually one cup is like the standard dosage or like the strong dosage for anyone who has experience but for me personally um they all started us out with half a dose or half a cup okay and then we just built up from there so like yeah i started out with half a cup and as i mentioned it's it's it sits in your stomach and it makes you a little sick once you take it and you just kind of sit there and wait for the shit to kick in it takes it takes like maybe or for me consistently it took about 45 minutes or so for it to kick in and that's like a that first trip was like a nerve-wracking experience because it was just sitting in my stomach and i'm just waiting to see all this shit that people talk about and you don't know like when like you don't know when it's going to hit you but it's just you know we're just sitting in silence and just and you're just waiting to see something and i remember i was just staring at the insides of my eyelids for like maybe half an hour 45 minutes and then all of a sudden shit started happening <laughs> and this is yeah. where this is where i'm really fascinated with hearing your your thoughts on this because uh, like I said, I'm a huge chemistry nerd. I'm a huge toxicology nerd. Um, yeah. And hence this podcast, but um, DMT being a serotonin receptor agonist. And, and it's, it, I'm assuming I've heard, I mean, from all reports, pretty significant visual effects, hallucinations. Um, yeah. And kind of a, as a side note, have you ever heard of uh, the books PCAL and TCAL? No, I'm not. I always, always ask people this because they're, they're really famous chemistry books, uh, TCAL mm -hmm. or tryptamines I've known and loved the continuation. It's basically the second book in a two book series. Um, I both written by Alexander and Ann Shulgin, husband and wife. Alexander was a brilliant chemist, pharmacologist, neuro, uh, neuropsychopharmacologist. And the books are essentially his thoughts on drugs, his history, and they're chemical cookbooks where Shulgin would essentially synthesize hundreds and hundreds of substances and then consume yeah. them himself or have people consume them and report the effects and yeah. it's fascinating to read some of these effects because with dmt um, a lot of the colors and patterns and kaleidoscopic images and even the strange beings and creatures so i'm going to assume you you saw some you had some certain similar stories or effects from the the consumption of, of ayahuasca yeah I, um surprising to me like it was very different all three times i did it so over the course of the week we had three different ceremonies one monday night one tuesday night and one thursday night and all three nights were very different like meaning the visuals were different 
the feeling was different, like what I just where I felt and what I saw, um, you know, as far as where I was situated in the whole thing, like that was different too. So it was just like um, the first night I would say was very close to kind of what um, I expected. Um, and I was basically just floating in space and, and it wasn't like the space that we all know. It was like a black void, but like everything was moving around me. Like there were just lights and things zooming around, like just lights and, and lasers and shit. And, and it was like just a black void, but like very faint, um, like gold or brass colored, I would say gold, copper, brass colored lights, like zooming around me. And they were um, building structures around me too. So like, a, like, you know, if you look at an architecture blueprint and you can see through a house, like it'll show you like a building and you can see all the different corners of the buildings and rooms, like almost like the building is see-through. Okay. Like it, was cre- it was creating structures like that around me, just like these amazing structures that were just being built around me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's like a VR experience too, because if you look up, you see one thing. If you look to your left, you see a, another thing. If you look to your right, something else is there. And if you look back to your left, the thing to your left is still there. Like, it's like a VR experience. Oh, wow. It's like, um, it's like all around you. And, and it was just basically building all kinds of shit around me. And they call these things, I think, machine elves. Um, and people's um, experiences with the machine elves are very different. But one consistency is that um, they're like basically just like these things that create stuff around you for various reasons. They just seem to kind of be showing off a little bit. Like, hey, look at me. I can build this over here and I can build this over there. And so my head's just like swiveling around looking at all this crazy shit being built around me. And I would see random eyeballs and stuff floating in, in the abyss, like just random eyeballs. Oh. And, and, and then and there would be just like snakes and things slithering through them as well. And at first I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, am I in hell? And, and I, I later learned that the snakes um, are the symbol of ayahuasca. So whenever okay. you see a snake, that's like a consistent thing that people see, which kind of lets you know that ayahuasca is in your system. And, and that's another trippy thing as well, is that like you're not tapping into just your mind. Like, like people think it's just your mind playing tricks on you, but it's like we all see the same shit sometimes. Like it's like crazy, like someone who did this should have, 300 years ago is painting pictures of the stuff that I'm seeing, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's it's like you're tapping into like another realm or something. It's not like you're actually, it's not like it's just your mind jumbling a bunch of shit. Like you don't see familiar stuff. You don't see like, you know, your brother's head on, on the body of an emu or something like that. It's like, (laughs) it's not like, it's not like familiar things. It's almost like you're just tapping into someone else's, subconscious or someone else's realm or like uh our our thoughts and memories because nothing is familiar and it's just all like freaky and and foreign to you and so the very first night yeah i was just floating in space and eyeballs and snakes and things slithering around me and it actually took me to um very briefly took me to what i felt like was hell because i got really really hot and started sweating and sweating and sweating and I got so hot, like I felt like I had a fever or something. I, and I felt like I was going to um, um, like just burn up. So I, I tried to take my shirt off. Like I was physically hot. 
and I got really parched. I got really thirsty. Like I needed something to drink. And, and it took me into this room that had all this black, white, and yellow smoke coming out of the ground. And then a man's bald head lifts out of the smoke, like a random head just slips out of the smoke. <laughs> and it does a, a, the puke face to me. Um, you know, like the vomit face. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. And yeah. And I was thinking like, Oh shit, he's like trying to tell me to throw up. And so like, I grabbed my bucket and I tried to throw up, but like no vomit came out. And instead of vomit, just steam and smoke just lifted out of me. Like, like kind of like an iron, like, you know, when you're ironing and, and that steam comes out of it, like uh -huh. that's what happened to me. Like, I just felt like a, all this steam and smoke come out of me. And I heard it go like, when it came out and and i felt like all this like it felt like a heaviness came out of me like a darkness or a heaviness came out of me and right after that happened my body temperature regulated and i went right back to normal and the thirst went away and i felt like i had everything i needed like i didn't feel discomfort hot thirsty or anything and and right after that happened it started fucking raining like hard and like actual raining, not like hallucination oh. raining. It started like actually raining. And then the shaman started singing like right at that very moment. And I just felt this like that most happy, the most happiness I'd ever felt in my entire life. It felt like a, like reaching Nirvana or something. Like I just felt like a, this amazing level of happiness and joy and just love just emanating through me. And it was like, I can't even describe it. It just felt like they took something dark out of me in that very moment and then just made me feel the happiest I'd ever felt in my life. It was insane. And I'm just sitting there with a big smile on my face and I'm like, you know, in the, I'm just, my body is like striking yoga poses. I'm like sitting in like a, you know, like a cross-legged stance and my body is just like doing all these yoga poses like Dawson from street fighter. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like, it's, like, like, and I, I, I can't even like control it. And my head's just swiveling around. I have like the biggest smile on my face. Like I was trying to smile so big, that like, like I was almost trying to unhinge my jaw because I couldn't smile big enough. And, um, and I just felt this immense joy and happiness and love and, and peace. And it was just, it was like, it was weird because when it took me to that hell place and, and all that darkness came out of me, it felt like it just basically just took away a lot of trauma and like bad memories and bad experiences out of me or resent or whatever it was I was holding on to. It just like took it out of me, which is kind of brings you to what a lot of people say about ayahuasca, which is that it feels like it could be like 10 years of therapy and, and like a short period of time. So like in that week I was there, it felt like I went through years of therapy, which is insane. Like it just, just that easily just took away a lot of trauma and a lot of bullshit that I was carrying around. That was the first night, right? Yeah, yeah and it was. And you've got multiple other nights of similar experiences. So I, I'm kind of interested in after doing this for one night uh, and, and some of those effects, and I mean, and I can imagine if, if you were suffering those vomiting and diarrhea effects, or you might be a little bit dehydrated or something, what's that day after feel like the morning after? Um, the morning after, I, I think it really depends upon how your body responded to it. Like, for instance, after the first night, you know, I didn't throw up or anything like that. Like, as I mentioned, I was just sweating. But because I didn't throw up the medicine, it was still like a bit of a sick feeling um, in my stomach since it was just sitting there. 
And so like I had a bit discomfort the next day, um, but it didn't last very long. And I was actually really, really happy that entire next day because I had such a good experience the night before. Like it lasted like six hours. <laughs> and okay. and it was just a it was just an amazing, amazing experience. Like I just felt like the most happiness I'd ever felt in my entire life at that moment. And and so it carried over into the next day. So even though I felt a little sick, it didn't bother me that much. Um, but others, you know, if they had a really bad night, you know, if they were throwing up a lot, if they, uh, you know, were vomiting, diarrhea, whatever it was, you know, maybe that might affect how they felt the next day. They might feel very weak. Um, luckily, I didn't have any sort of adverse effects like that that carried over into the next day. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, we prepare ourselves too, because I mean, the retreat didn't have us eat after a certain time. I think we we didn't eat food after 3 p.m. the day of the ceremony. And we also didn't drink any water or anything after 5 p.m. So that made it also a little easier on our system too. Okay. Yeah, so you had yeah. like a completely empty stomach, a completely, I mean, you were clean. You were, there was nothing there to. Um, well, we ate like, breakfast and all that stuff, you know, breakfast and lunch. But yeah, like, I mean, it's not necessarily uh, too much to affect you um, that night. But yeah, there is something there that could be vomited up later. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so into the second day, then um, you yeah. do the same, you take the same con concoction, you take more, you take less. I um, took a little bit more. Yeah. Because when I took half a cup the first day, um, it wore off like within maybe a couple hours or so. And, okay. and I went back, like, like I went back to the bartender and wanted another shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I, cause I had such a good time there and, and I, I remember telling them like, I want to go back. I want to go back. And they poured me in, um, another one fourth of a cup. And so it took me back there a little bit, but it was never as strong as it was in the very beginning. Um, so the second night I wanted to take more. So yeah, I took three fourths of a cup. Um, and when I took three fourths of a cup, yeah, it hit me maybe a little faster and lasted a lot longer. And the second time, like I expected to see something similar, right? Like mm -hmm. first night I, I was in space. Um, I forgot to mention that I also saw like a bunch of hieroglyphics and shit, like like alien writings. Like it almost looked like I was like tapping into, you know, like a like an alien mothership or something because you you just saw these different writings and different like a very foreign script that wasn't anything that we're used to, and it a lot of like these pictures and things that looked like just hieroglyphics or something. And, and I expected to see a lot of that, you know, again, but the second night, like it just took me to a completely different world. Like I was just thrown into this pink, purple and fuchsia colored like video game. It almost looked like a 16 bit video game. Oh, it was the craziest thing. Like it wasn't like anything like, it wasn't anything like, like what I expected. You're like, talking so, like, like a Super Nintendo Sega Genesis type thing. Yeah, like where things are like, you know, flat and kind of moving around, like they look flat and they um, kind of dance around in your face. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not quite, you know, NES 8-bit, but just a little bit, the graphics a little bit better than that, but <laughs> definitely not quite Xbox or PlayStation, you know, and it was like, oh, like, okay, what the fuck is this? And it felt, it looked like very Hindu, actually, like it had like all these tentacles and arms and things waving around and 
And I even remember seeing like a bull's head just pop up very briefly. And, and it was just like, a, it, it was very intimidating. So I got a little scared at first because I'm like, what the hell is this world? Um, and soon enough, like my anxiety calmed down because it just felt very loving, like very, very maternal. Like, and it just felt like it was just like cradling me and, and like, it, um, just injecting me with a bunch of just care, love and, and, and just, you know, positivity. It wasn't anything negative, even though it looked weird as hell. It just looked like tentacles and arms and plants and things just like waving around like they just kind of wrapped themselves around me and just like kind of like cradled me almost like a big hug <laughs> and as I mentioned before like um, I didn't throw up or anything I just kept no no actually no this is the one I did throw up I vomited one time and after I did I felt really good after that and so then I just laid back and, and relaxed on my stu- on my back staring up at the ceiling and it was just like wrapping around me and just kind of cradling me and it almost felt like as if it was just like rocking me like a baby. <laughs> and, and, and I just felt like super, super comfortable, super protected, super just loved. And, um, and tears were just coming out of my eyes and I kept yawning. And, and it also made me breathe very heavy for some reason. Like it kept making me take in very deep breaths and, and exhale very deeply as well. And, and I was asking it, okay, what's the lesson here? Because every time you have one of these trips, it's always a lesson and you can talk to it and it'll, it'll answer you back many times. So I kept asking it, what's the lesson here? And it told me to just, you know, basically fucking relax and, 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 and receive love. It told me not to push love away and to allow, you know, accept love is kind of what the message it was telling me. And then I asked it, okay, why is it making me breathe so heavy? Why are you like, why are you making me breathe, inhale and exhale so deeply? And, and it said, I want you to be very mindful of every breath that you take. And I just was like thinking like, oh shit, like it's like making me breathe heavy so that I can appreciate every breath that I'm taking, you know, like, so that I don't, don't take that for granted. So like for like basically like two, three hours, it just had me breathing like, (sighs) ah. Ah, like that just consistently for hours and it felt like I was almost getting like I felt like I was almost getting high on my own breath like I couldn't control it it was just naturally making me do that and I remember after the ceremony one guy came up to me who was sitting across the room and he was like I could hear you breathing all night (laughs) (laughs) he was like it was very he was like it was very consistent but very soothing he's like thank you for that (laughs) I was like yeah 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 i forgot to mention that you always got to go into ayahuasca with an intention like you got to ask it something um you know you take it and you ask it to show me something or or give me the answer for you know whatever's whatever your is bothering you or whatever answers you're seeking you got to pose the question and and it gives you the answer you know usually it gives you the answer and so yeah so I kept asking it the second and third night. I kept asking it, tell me what I need to know or teach me what I need to know. I didn't have like a specific question or anything like that. I just kept asking it to teach me what I need to know. Um, and, and yeah, that second lesson, it told me I needed to, to accept love and also to be very mindful of my breath and, and pay attention to it and, and enjoy it. And also 
Um, don't take it for granted. Oh, I forgot to mention the smoke monsters. Yeah, there are these fucking smoke, smoke monsters, monsters like like lost. <laughs> I not like. I mean, I just call them smoke monsters because they were just these blobs of like black, like mist or smoke. And okay. so when I'm in this, when I was in this pink purple fuchsia Sega Genesis love world, like everything felt good, everything felt positive, and then all of a sudden these big blobby black mists would like would kind of mosey on into my face, like into my view. And and they had one evil eye in the middle, like just one eye. And it was like a very overtly evil eye. Like it was almost like it was like, like the game, like the video game creator was like, wanted me to know this is a fucking bad guy. Because <laughs> like, it had like a very <laughs> evil eye in the middle. And so I would stare it down. Like basically when I would see these things, they would just stare at me. And make me feel uncomfortable so i would stare it down and then it would rush at me and when it rushed at me like it made my body contort but it would blow up after i after it did that like so i would basically absorb it and kill it that way and so i got to the point where i was just looking for these guys like at first they were scary but then i got to the point where i would <laughs> i killed one of them so i just started looking for them trying to kill all the ones i could find <laughs> and so so yeah so it was like a, a love world but it was also teaching me to have courage as well because i was going around hunting these one-eyed smoke monsters and killing them too dang so so yeah i mean this whole experience i mean you are getting something out of this i mean this like you said i mean you got it you pose a question you get an answer um, yeah and you're posing these questions uh so yeah. after the second day because I, if I recall, you said you used Monday, you used or consumed ayahuasca Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Was there, yes. was it a break day on Wednesday or what happened on a Wednesday? Yeah, because it's, it's very heavy. It's not mm -hmm. easy. Like, it's like, I mean, it's almost like, you know, if you had two nights of drinking or whatever, like it's like at some point you're going to need a break. Oh, yeah. Like the same, like with, uh, with this, it's like, it was very heavy on our systems, some more so than others, but. It got to the point where, um, yeah, we just had a break on Wednesday and we just did, you know, we went to, you know, a little outdoor field trip and just had a bit of a rest day and took it easy on Wednesday. But then okay. Thursday uh, was the whole Bufo thing and, and also the, uh, the third ceremony. So, so yeah, Thursday oh, was a pretty intense So day. you did, yeah. so you also did Bifotnin or some sort yeah. of toad, yeah. I mean, venom, toad secretion? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, and that wow. was I didn't awesome. realize I did not realize that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. As well. I didn't talk about that, but before this, but yeah, I mean, when you're talking, um, the 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 toad that I'm familiar with is a Sonoran desert toad um, mm -hmm. that secretes uh, five methoxy dimethyltryptamine DMT. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it was called the Sapo ceremony, and basically, yeah, there are these toads that excrete five meo DMT. And they basically crystallize it and then light it up and you smoke it. <laughs> and uh, it was, that was terrifying to me. Like I was so nervous about doing that one because that's obviously way stronger than ayahuasca and it hits you very fast. Some people told me that the experience can feel like it's weeks or months when you're in it, <laughs> even though it can only be minutes. Um, some people feel like it's like they're actually in that that trip for months years i mean there are people who just have these crazy experiences and that's what i was worried about was like i didn't want to be trapped in that experience and feeling like i was there for 
you know, four months or whatever. So you can and, have some uh, extreme time dilations with this as well. I well, mean, like where... time just doesn't, yeah, time just doesn't exist. Like you just have no concept of it really. And so you might be knocked out for 15 minutes, but it feels like weeks or it feels like days or it might even just feel like 15 minutes. It just really just depends on the person. Mm -hmm. And, and you're talking about the ego death. That's like the utmost, like, um, ego death experience that I had. Like it was just, it, it was like the most singularly, singularly impactful thing that I did on that trip. And I was terrified to do it because I, I psyched my, myself out looking at YouTube videos. You know, there are all these videos of people who would be like crawling on the ground and screaming oh, yeah. and, and, and like, just, you know, just freaking the fuck out. And, and people told me, you know, people who work there, they said, yeah, you can be screaming and, and freaking out like your body can be doing that, but your mind could be at peace and you could mm -hmm. be having the best time of your life. And so that was encouraging to me. And, uh, but I was still terrified because I just, I didn't know how it was going to affect me. And so I had, I think I slept three hours the night before I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> and, and then I finally mustered up the courage when I woke up in the morning to do it. Cause I saw like a lot of other people in my group were going to do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I did the, uh, I had the Sappho experience, the, the Sappho slash Bufo experience and, and, um, the girl who went two, there was someone who went um, two two spots before me, and when she went under, she started screaming and flailing, and she was screaming ah, and screaming why, and and kicking her arms and everything while while she was under, and I was just thinking like, oh my god, what the fuck am I about to do? <laughs> but the craziest thing was that when she came to, like when she came out of the trip, she was just giggling and laughing. And she doesn't remember screaming. She doesn't remember anything. She said it was the best experience she ever felt, even though her body was reacting that way. And, and so when I took it, like I, I saw, you know, I saw the guy lighting it up in front of me, the facilitator who was lighting it up in the freaking uh, beaker or whatever. And, um, and I, um, <laughs> I inhale it. And then he told me to inhale you know, one more time, I think I inhaled like maybe two or three, kept it in my <laughs> lungs. And then, and then all of a sudden, everything just turns white. And it's like the white light that you see when you die, because, you know, some people believe that you, your brain emits DMT when you die. So like, this is almost like mirroring that experience to an extent. And so I saw this white, like this white light just kind of engulfed me. And then I just left my body, just saw it, like everything just freaking disappear at that point. Um, I didn't feel anything. I, I couldn't see anything, just white and kind of like pixels. And, and, but it was just like this amazing euphoric experience. It was just like, just pure happiness and bliss, like just like a big spiritual orgasm or something, <laughs> you know, if I'm going to describe it. <laughs> But it was just like this, this crazy, just feeling of just happiness and joy and thankfulness and, and peace. And like, you just don't think about anything. You don't think about back home. You don't think about work. You don't think about problems. It's just like, it was just like a, a feeling of just peace. And I was just floating there, just feeling the best feeling I'd ever experienced in my life. And then I came right back to my body after that. And just started crying and crying because it was just like, it was just like a like a 
like just, just joy. Like I didn't know what the hell like that was. Like I just felt like just the best feeling I'd ever felt in my life. And I was just so appreciative of being able to feel that and also return back to, to earth as well. And so, yeah, it was, that was, that was super, super impactful because it's strong as hell and it mm -hmm. hits you in seconds. <laughs> yeah. When you're definitely, when you're smoking it, you're going to feel that all insufflating, smoking, inhaling, you're yeah. going to feel that a yeah. lot quicker than having to consume something orally and it's got to sit there and be absorbed and, uh, right. Um, so that led into then the, the final consumption night. Yeah. So I already had the Bufo um, experience and, and I felt so good and so happy and positive that like nothing could defeat that. Like I had no anxiety regarding the third ayahuasca experience or anything because I felt so good with everything that was in my system from the toad experience. And so it just gave me just so much confidence and and i just i i feared nothing at all like i i didn't fear <laughs> anything on on the planet and so i went right into that experience and and took another three-fourths of a cup um ayahuasca and and that experience was very pleasant like it was very calm and very peaceful and it basically took me to like a world that's i can only liken it to like jurassic park it looked like hawaii um, it looked like it was just basically like I was in this paradise with um, these lush green hills and and like the sun was like setting. Um, it looked like um, like it was at dusk time, like, you know, right before the sun sets. And there's just these big blobby like dinosaur creatures, like almost like alien looking dinosaur creatures just walking around and flying in the air and shit. It was just the trippiest thing. And I'm looking at all this beauty and I'm just wondering, what the hell is this? Like, what does this even mean? And there wasn't a lesson in those vis visuals. It started teaching me the lesson, like through like a telekinesis feeling, if that makes any sense. Like it was like, not necessarily like you hear a voice talking to you, but you start hearing and understanding exactly what it's telling you just based on like a telepathy, if that makes any sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and so like I'm watching these beautiful dinosaurs and things walking around and I'm chilling, just laying down um, in this paradise. And it started, it started bringing me through all of my relationships, starting from high school. And it basically like oh. showed me all of, it showed me all of my ex-girlfriends, all of my past relationships. And, and it made me like fall in love with all of them over again. Like, like, which is, sounds fucking terrifying to some people, <laughs> but, but it was like a temporary, like love. Right. So like, it would show me like my high school sweetheart. And it reminded me of like what I felt for that person during that time, like feelings that I'd never, I haven't thought about in years. And, and it was like, almost like basically kind of reminding me of the good parts of those relationships. So, uh, and I kept arguing with it too and saying things like well what about when this person did this and what about when they did that and it told me like no i'm not going to show you any of the bad stuff i'm only going to show you the good stuff so it was only showing me the good parts of my relationships in the past and i think it was doing that because it was trying not to like i, I always think about the bad stuff like it wasn't it, i think it wanted me to just realize that there was a reason why i was in those relationships and it wanted me to remember the good parts about it and so, yeah, like it had me, it basically was like a, this is your life going through my fucking 
relationship history oh. <laughs> and, and, and it had me basically, yeah, just have all these very positive, good moments again with my exes and they, and they would show up one at a time and then disappear. And another one would show up and disappear. And it was just like, like a life lesson and, and love. Like it was like basically trying to tell me not to be guarded, not to avoid relationships just because you're afraid of getting hurt or because you're afraid of the bad parts. It was like telling me to like kind of open myself up and to accept that and, and remember why I cared about these people in the past. And it was just a very calm, like relaxing experience. And and I'm doing this while all these freaking dinosaurs and things are just walking <laughs> around me. It's It was like, it was just, uh, it was beautiful. Like I sat there for like, I sat in that trip, that third one for like maybe six hours. Even oh, after wow. everyone else had left and gone, like I still just sat there with my eyes closed because I, it was such a good experience. It felt so relaxing. So with, with, with I didn't ask this earlier, but um, do you, when you, close your eyes when you open your eyes do you see the yeah. same things when you open do you have open eye hallucinations open eyed visions those sort of things yeah, everyone, or is it all closed everyone is different so for me um i mean you can see things with your eyes open it's kind of for me it distorted the world a bit which is similar to kind of like mushrooms or mm-hmm. you know you have your eyes open and you know maybe like the water in front of you is like the glass of water in front of you is dancing or something mm-hmm. but like it's like to really see these experiences, you have to almost like go deep within, which requires closing your eyes. So, mm-hmm. so when my eyes are open, I could see like a distorted view of the world. Then when I close my eyes, I can kind of faintly see the world, the, uh, the alien world or the, you know, whatever visions that it's showing me. But then like, I have to really concentrate. And then I feel myself fall to an even, an even deeper level after that. If it makes any sense, like it felt like I was closing like two sets of eyelids, okay. like like I would close my real eyelids and I would kind of faintly see it. And then I would see like a second set of eyelids close and then I would just fall deeply into the rabbit hole. This seems to be a pretty life changing experience. All of this. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, for all of us, I mean, all 13 of us, we had the biggest smiles on our face. There are people who went there with depression people who went there with you know the all types of issues and and we all left there with big smiles on our face and just full of love and full of happiness just like like getting like a jump start or something and and you know as I mentioned we still keep in touch to this very day it affected everyone differently some more so than others I mean there are people who have better experiences than me there mm-hmm. are people who didn't have as profound experiences as me you know, it's like, it, it just really just kind of depends on where you're at and what you're willing to um, receive. Cause you got to kind of be open to it too. You can't mm-hmm. fight it, but like you have to just let it do what it's going to do. If you fight it, it's going to win. Like it's going to kick your ass if you try to fight it. <laughs> so if it's going to take you to hell, like you need to just like go and, and experience whatever the hell it's going to give you. <laughs> uh, would would yeah. you actually recommend this to this experience to people. I mean, like you you said, I mean, it's going to be a different experience for different people. People experience things different ways, but I, I mean, would you recommend doing this sort of thing? I mean, who would you recommend it to? And then would you well, do this again? Well, I'm very careful as to um, who I share with. Like I basically don't want to sound preachy or anything. And, and they actually tell us at the facility not to go back home and preach 
because um, they're saying like, don't, you know, don't go and tell everyone how they have to come here and this and that. Um, But if anyone does express an an interest to share with them freely as much as you want. Um, So basically that's kind of what I've been doing is like, if anyone has an interest in it, I'm I'm more than happy to share. Okay. I'm not like telling everyone to go and do this. And because it's, I don't think it is for everyone. Like I feel some people, like if you just go and do it and you're not ready for it, you're going to have a horrible trip. Probably you're probably going to have a, a terrible time. Even. Um, or, or if you're someone who's a skeptic, who's just like, ah, like, you know, I don't believe in psychedelics or I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. And it's craziness or whatever. Like you're probably not going to have a great experience. Like you have to be really open to it and willing to accept whatever it's going to give you. And so, um, so yeah, I would say that, that I recommend it to people who are looking to better themselves. If, if there's anyone who's trying to become a better version of themselves or is trying to be happier in life, who's trying to find the answers regarding, let's say, love, relationships, career, family, um, health, whatever it is that's, that's keeping them up at night. If they're anything that you would go to therapy for, like this is something that's going to help you it's going to be like therapy on fucking steroids. Like it's going to be like, instead of going to seeing a therapist for years, like this shit is going to teach you some lessons in days. And, and it's going to like stick with you too. Like the more, like I felt it in my system weeks after I even came back to the States, like I would wake up and still fill it in my system, which is why I was sticking to the diet for a while, because the more I, I, I kept my insides clean, like the more was still affecting me. Like I would wake up and still feel it like every day, even when I got back home. Um, and yeah, to answer your other question, hell yeah, I would do it again. <laughs> I would go back. Like yeah. I actually, I actually, I mean, some of us didn't want to leave. Like we, we were like some of those facilitators who were, who just ended up quitting their jobs and just staying there. Like we were, there was a number of us who were just thinking like, damn, like I, maybe I should just, quit everything and just like volunteer here for a while <laughs> it's like it's like three square meals like they got room and board and you know everything that you need in life and it's all happy and fun and free and good people every week like I was just thinking like man it's like being in a, a paradise or something but um I think I'm gonna go back like maybe like every few years or something you know like it's like it's one of those things where I feel like I don't need to do it often, but I feel mm-hmm. that like if I ever get in a funk or if I ever just need like a, a, a jump start, like that's a place I can go and receive it. Yeah. I mean, what I also find fascinating about a lot of these is their, I mean, pharmaceutical potential. Um, I know a lot of these substances yeah. and plants are, are being looked at. I mean, currently, I mean, um, whether it's dimethyltryptamine, 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine, um, bufotenine, any of these compounds and, and these substances, these plants are being looked at in for yeah. use in the treatment of treatment-resistant depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and um, uh, all sorts of different potential pharmaceutical applications of this. And like you said, potential, I mean, it was like therapy. I mean, there's a lot of psychological or just medical um psychological benefits that can be derived from it like i when i was going through this and experiencing this that week all i kept thinking to myself was like this shit needs to be accessible to other people like i shouldn't have Mm -hmm. to go to fucking peru 
in order to experience this because this shit will save people's lives. Like, like this should, I could see it easily saving someone who's suicidal, say, mm-hmm. saving someone who's battling depression. I mean, there's a guy in our group who said he hasn't touched his depression pills since he's been back. You know, like, it's like, like this shit can really save people's lives. And we don't have it illegal here because of what, just fear and, 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 and ignorance and it's, misinformation. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, it's like, we're, we're, la- we're allowed to fucking drink whiskey <laughs> and kill ourselves, but we can't <laughs> do these things that have like medical benefits, you know? Yeah. It's that's like, It's a long, crazy history when it comes to the DEA and the illegality yeah. of, of psychedelics and, um, I mean, like, I mean, but you're starting to see, though, I mean, you are starting to see, I think, locale, certain municipalities and local yeah. state laws and regulations, whether it's decriminalizing like psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah, um, psilocybin is like a, illegal in some municipalities, I think, like Oakland or something like that. And yeah, some others I believe and, in Oregon, it was just at least yeah. decriminalized, if not uh, yeah. legalized um, um, for use. I mean, yeah. uh, so I think I think you're starting to see that turn. It's just yeah. going to take a long time in this country. It's going to be a while. I, it, it's going to be a while. But I think, yeah, you're going to see mushrooms first, maybe mm-hmm. within the, ten, the next 10 years or so. And and then I think all this other stuff, you know, like ayahuasca, DMT and all that, like, I could see that coming around in the next 20 years or so, like meaning just easily accessible to Americans, to, to the, the Western world, I should say. Um, I get it. Like, I, I wouldn't want to see this shit just being sold at 7-Eleven because, yeah. It oh, could no. Really- yeah. You, you don't want this sold at just like your corner convenience store or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but it's like, I don't see any reason why if you can't have this around someone who's licensed and trained to to administer it you know Mm -hmm. and and as i mentioned before it's like man like like i don't know your experiences but like it's like fucking magic mushrooms like they can just they can build build happiness receptors in you like if you're battling depression like you can it can create happiness in your in your life Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it can create it can reestablish the 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 receptors in your brain that allow you to feel happiness again like and that's amazing i mean imagine all the mother you know all the people in the world who just fucking took their lives because they were going through some kind of mental health issue or took someone else's life or whatever Mm -hmm. like it's like these things work way better than pills than prescriptions and all the man-made concoctions that we create and throw at people you know and it works fast too like very Mm -hmm. fast yeah, I, 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 they've got a bright future when it comes to this. I mean, I think, again, yeah. it's going to take a little bit of time, but as yeah. most things do in this country, but I think we'll, we'll eventually see um, completely, um, complete use of um, psilocybin mushrooms, I mean, just psilocybin itself, um, or yeah. even, I mean, even getting into the dimethyltryptamine, bufotenine, um, and even, I mean, you're starting to see, well, MDMA or ecstasy has been studied now for last i mean many years but um been used in um uh, clinical human clinical trials for post for ptsd and things as well and um of course with cannabis legalization and all that going on um eventually we will see i think the um uh, use of of some of these things in in medicine 
for sure and therapy and um, whether it's yeah. therapy or whatever yeah lsd is and all that like it's like it's 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 important to also stress how you know everything that i was doing in peru was completely natural like it wasn't like mm -hmm. this was made in a laboratory like and this is all stuff that doesn't have you know adverse health effects on you it's not going to kill you over time you know and it's like as we mentioned, there's just so many legal things that we have in our day-to-day -day lives that are harmful to us that we've normalized, but yet we're so apprehensive about stuff that comes out of uh, the ground, you know, plants mm -hmm. and animals, and, you know, that have more profound and life-changing and, and positive effects on us. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I'm... It, You've had a wonderful experience, life-changing experience with this. Um, I thank yeah. you for coming on the podcast and talking about it. I mean, um, to me, it, it's very fascinating and, and hearing the effects and hearing what you experienced uh, with, with the consumption of ayahuasca in the, in the uh, bufotenine, um, the 5-methoxy the DMT experience as well. I mean, that is um, uh, something that's very, very fascinating to me. And I'm sure the listeners love to hear this stuff um, because um, this is, I, I could talk about the chemistry and pharmacology of it and all that stuff, but you, yeah. get the, you get the real world story of it, the real world experience. And I think that's where people really learn something. Yeah, Kevin, well, I can honestly say that like I watched dozens and dozens of videos um and it still didn't pre prepare me for what i actually felt and what i experienced so it's like it's one of those things that you just have to experience yourself to really know what the fuck i'm talking about <laughs> it's like like it's it doesn't it, it it's hard to explain and it's hard to convey in words but, but but yeah like just you know listening to others experiences and and all that will give you an idea but, uh, but yeah, I can't prepare you for what you're actually going to experience. Um, I also want to mention the, the facility I went to. It's called Arcana Spiritual Center. So if you Google Arcana Spiritual Center, which is A-R-K-A-N-A, -A, um, you should be able to find the place that I went to. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, so I guess um, thank you again for coming on. I, I know, I hope we've enlightened some folks out there about what these things can do and, and the experiences. And again, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I appreciate your time. Yeah, it was great, uh, you know, reliving that and, and recounting. And I'm always happy to share and answer questions. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ToxCast. You got to learn a little bit about ayahuasca, a little bit about DMT, and you got a to listen to Tristan's experiences with the concoction in Peru, which I thought was a fascinating uh, detail regarding his experiences with that. So I, I thank Tristan for coming on the ToxCast and, and talking with me. Um, I, I'll be back with more ToxCast soon. Uh, hold on. I've got more episodes in the can. I've just got to edit them. Uh, hopefully life doesn't get in the way again. In the meantime, if you want to follow us on Twitter, go look for at ToxCast 
on Facebook. You can find us at the Dose Makes the Poison podcast page. Check out my website at dosemakesthepoison.com. Email me at dosemakesthepoisonpodcast at gmail.com. Leave me an Apple podcast review if you can. Looking for reviews. So if you like the show, if you don't like the show, give me a review. So, again, thank you for listening. Hopefully I'm getting back on track with uh, the ToxCast and new episodes. So until we meet again, always remember to never practice toxicology in a vacuum. <laughs>